This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Tuesday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. The good news is... This is the last Monday weekend wraparound, so from here going forward for the rest of the year, you will have a Monday morning podcast. The bad news is the Red Sox just wrapped up a five-game set against the Baltimore Orioles, losing the series three games to two. We are currently still in fourth place in the American League East, ten and a half games back from the division-leading New York Yankees, and currently four games out of the final American League wildcard spot. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When the Red Sox are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight, normally from the city of... Providence, Rhode Island, but vacationing out in California right now. Charlie Smith. What town in Cali are you in, Charlie? Right in L.A. right now, my friend. Right in L.A. Sounds miserable, Charlie. Yeah, it's real struggle, man. Real struggle. Only here for a couple days. But completely over COVID at this point. Thank God. Thank God. Also joining us tonight from his girlfriend's bathroom, <laughs> normally uh, from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, Job Goddard. He is wearing clothes, though, ladies and gentlemen. We have confirmed. I'm, I'm trying to uh, to keep it together over here, but yes, yes, coming to you from Washington, D.C., live from the bathroom, the only place with a Wi-Fi signal at the moment, so... Um, whatever it takes to get on the air and get you your Tuesday morning commute. That's what we do here for the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Hope you appreciate it. Well, all right. Um, Red Sox had a, a good opportunity to pile on some more wins. Had a five-game, uh, excuse me, five-series win streak coming into it, but failed to failed to get it done. I just want to throw something out there before we get to the uh, weekend shit list. Um, I don't think we'll discuss this further in there, but would it make you guys' day if Matt Barnes is just DFA'd 
at some point tomorrow or released or something. He he's under contract for one more year beyond this, but but the dude just got buried in the in the final game of the series. We were we were losing. It was another no pressure situation and uh gives up three runs. I'm Not just... fun. It's 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 really it's really hard to see Matt Barnes pitch um because he just he doesn't have it. It looks like it's just not there anymore. And Matt Barnes is is on contract for this year and next year. So it's um it's gonna be hard because we got the uh the buyout at the end of it too when everything's said and done. This guy's making nineteen million over the next two seasons. There's definitely no way he's coming back in 2024. My hope is that he can figure himself out because if he can figure himself out, at least maybe we can salvage some of that money because this was an awful, awful mistake to give him that kind of money. Well, I'm going to be pretty clear. He, he's not getting DFA'd. I wish he was, but he won't. This is the worst contract handed out by Bloom. We said it at the time, the three of us. I believe Andrew and Jason as well agreed that that was a bad contract. It's rare. When the five of us agree on something, Ian Bloom should listen because we're very rarely wrong when we're in consensus. And Ian Bloom was wrong. You don't give a reliever a contract midseason, especially one who's struggling with his command. I'm just trying to... Get some updated numbers here. All right, here they are. Uh, 17 innings pitched on the season by Matt Barnes. 17 hits, 15 earned runs. So he's basically giving up a run per inning. And uh, his ERA on the season is 794. Terry, can I ask you what his walk numbers are at the moment? His current walk numbers... 12, 12 on the season. Okay. So. 12 walks in 17 innings. It's not going to get it done. That's embarrassing. That that sounds like a guy, if I was to switch out the numbers with a guy at AAA named Darwinson Hernandez, they'd be eerily similar. Darwinson's issue, though, was, uh, you know, he, he had it, and then he was just trying to be too darn perfect because he was fine. It seemed like he rectified the situation. I have his numbers actually up because I was looking at him myself. Darwin's Hernandez has 16 walks in 19 and two thirds innings. He has a 5.95 ERA. He's got 30 strikeouts. Matt Barnes isn't striking out one per inning. And that's the, the, the scary thing. This is someone who statistically speaking was able to get one an inning minimum. And now that's just gone. It's just not there anymore. I mean, this is someone who consistently was able to strike out one plus per inning, one and a half. It was like 13 uh, – I don't have the number in front of me, uh, and I'm sure Terry is probably pulling it up. Um, but this is someone who consistently was getting 13-5, 13-6, K-9. We're not even at – we're not even at 9. Like, we're, we're off. He's he, got he – he ERA's at 7 point something, Terry? 7.94, so just a is, tick under 8. Is that the worst ERA in the Red Sox bullpen? It uh, must be, right? has to be. Absolutely, Yeah. Because the the other guy, there's other guys in that bullpen I want to talk about who are struggling when we get to the shit list, who are also would be DFA candidates if there was any help coming. So we'll get to that when we get to the shit list. But if Matt Barnes got DFA tomorrow, I would feel okay with that. 
Yeah, I mean, it's going to have to happen at some point. I mean, how how much more embarrassed does the the team want to be? Uh, so I'm going through the um, the earned run averages. Matt Barnes essentially does have the highest, um, unless you want to uh, consider Cutter Crawford, who is uh, currently no longer with the big league club. Yeah, so he. Cutter Crawford's 844, and that was due to mostly two bad outings when he got absolutely destroyed. I think the Yankees were one of them, but um, right. so and Barnes, Detroit. yeah, and Crawford only had eight appearances. Barnes has 20 uh, at this point, so tied for second most on the team. Only Diekman has pitched uh, more games of relief, so uh, just absolutely uh, terrible. I was going to try to find the K through nine, but we won't do that. All right. Red Sox lost the series. So we will do the, the weekend shit list format uh, for this show. Uh, Charlie, go ahead. Uh, what's uh, what's on the docket for you? Um, for me, it was just, you know, starting off rich. You're up six Oh, and we're not even done with the second inning. And then get Whitlock pitches a, Great performance for him in relation to what he's done. Everything is going great for six innings. And then the wheels fall off with our bullpen. Our bullpen not only lost us the game, allowing 10 runs in three innings of work, they started us on the wrong path because I think a lot of us thought we were probably going to win three or four out of the five games. They put us at a significant disadvantage, and they are the reason why we lost this series. That bullpen right there, the guys that pitched in the first game, no one did their job. And it was unfortunate because there were a couple names on there that we're really hoping that they could stay a little consistent. Um, and, you know, little blips, everybody had a blip. You know, when you allow 10 runs in three innings, that's completely unacceptable. It doesn't look like major league pitching in the bullpen. But going down 0-1 to Baltimore, that's unacceptable in my book. So, you know, when you start the series off, we're just coming off a really nice heater. Now we're only a couple games in front of them. You know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, we're two and a half games in front of Baltimore. So that's not at all where I thought we were going to be. And uh, we need to figure it out. Um, it, it's unacceptable. It's just unacceptable. Joe, thoughts well, the, on the meltdown? Yeah, I was going to say the crazy part is, is I thought Cora managed this one to win. Right, He went to the guys that we would call the most reliable guys in the bullpen. I've been banging the Schreiber drum for a month, a little over a month. Schreiber, two, uh, two-thirds of an inning pitched, one hit, two runs, two earned runs, one walk, one strikeout, one home run. At least he got a strikeout, one walk, not so bad. Did give up the bomb, which is, which is what makes those numbers look bad. But it really started to fall off with Diekman. One inning, two hits, three runs, three earned, one walk, one home run. You can't be giving up home runs like this to the Orioles. This is a triple-A ball club, or a 4A, if you want, ball club. I mean, there's a lot of players on there that, for other teams, would not be starters who are playing every day for Baltimore because they don't have the depth. And the bullpen, the wheels just fell off. And it's something I really want to talk about that Charlie already mentioned it. Right, Whitlock had three great innings compared to what he's had the last three starts out. And um, the bullpen without Whitlock at the back of it 
We had four different guys had a chance to close the door, and they all screwed up. They all failed. They cost us one win, and then your A guys are all burned for games two, three, maybe even game four because of of the way that it worked out. And if it wasn't for Nate Evaldi, I think we might have got swept in this series. Well, Pavetta pitched a pretty good game, but um, so <laughs> funny story. I don't know if you guys have a certain night of the week where it's just harder to stay awake than all the rest. For me, it's Friday for some reason. I don't know why. I struggle on Fridays. And this past Friday, the the night of the bullpen meltdown, we're up six to nothing. Six nothing. And I'm like, well, you know, this game's not going to be that exciting. And I, I dozed off in my fancy beanbag chair. And I wake up at about 1130. Check the final, expecting Red Sox probably win like nine to two, something like that. We lose that game twelve to eight. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is the opposite of what we need to be doing against one of the easier teams in MLB. This this series was our chance to get over five hundred. And we've a couple of times in the last week, maybe a few times we've gotten to two under 500, but we just can't seem to get past that. Now we're sitting at three under. Um, it's oh, man, just a, just a tough game to lose. And I'm not going to get too upset. Matt Strom had by far his, uh, worst, worst appearance of the year. And uh, I've got his game logs up in front of me right now. He hadn't given up an earned run since April 25th, so over a month. And then only one other game before that, April 17th, did he give up an earned run. So of his of his 18 appearances, 16 have been scoreless. So eventually that's going to happen. You're going to, you're going to have a bad night. And unfortunately for Strom, it, it happened um, in that opener against Baltimore. And the worst thing, Terry, about that is it was clear that Cora didn't want to go to Strom, right? He went to Diekman, Schreiber, and then Strom. Strom was like his last stopgap attempt. Like if Strom can get it done, like he's done so many times before, we might get out of this with a win. And Strong got rocked. I mean, like you said, he was due for one, so not going to give him too much crap. But uh, five hits, four runs, three earned, and a walk uh, over one-third of an inning. That That's just – it's going to happen from time to time with your closer, especially if you have to use him four, five nights a week because the rest of the bullpen can't hold it together. It, it just kind of stinks that it, it happened where everyone got blown up all at once. I mean, that was his first appearance in a week. He had a week off. I would have figured you're healthy, you're 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 fit, you are ready to pitch, and in a third of an inning in a week, blown up. So that that's the only thing because I I completely understand where Job's coming from with that. But if you have a guy who's pitching once every you know once in seven days, kind of not a good look when you get blown for a third of an inning. You know, if you're pitching every other day or, or two, three times in like a five, six day span, okay, I can see that. Or if you're going back to back, you know, like uh, Diekman, for example, five days in between performances and two kind of, you know, not great performances in, in, in between. There was one with uh, Seattle and then one with Baltimore, and the Baltimore one looked ugly. Um, they just, it, 
just looked like Baltimore knew what was coming. They just all hit and we we all we all got rocked. Like each one had a blip on the radar. Additionally, having not given up a run since April 25th, which was actually a, a 6-2 to two loss against the Blue Jays, he had only even given up one hit since then. So he was by far the best pitcher in, in the Red Sox bullpen outside of Schreiber. And I love the John Schreiber story, but we don't know who he is. And how he bounces back from from that bad outing in game one will will tell us a lot about who he actually is. So it's something to watch, but eventually the 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 fairy tale was going to come to an end. He hadn't given up a, an earned run in several outings. I, I don't have his logs up in front of me right now, but Schreiber had not given up an earned run to date. No, I understood that. I just didn't see how many outings it was, but it's at least eight or ten outings. Uh, I've got it in front of me. Twelve games. Okay. Fourteen strikeouts and twelve and two-thirds innings pitched. So in 11 of them, uh, straight, he he was scoreless, yeah. So we'll we'll see how he develops. As far as Diekman goes, I don't know what to make of this guy. Walks have, have always been a problem, and um, just looking at his May numbers... And uh, let's see, in three, let's, well, let's say seven out of his 10 outings in just May, he has given up a walk. Um, He's had a couple of multi-hit games as well. And he is who he is. And I don't, I'm never going to be comfortable with him in, in high leverage. And I'm sure he's capable of, of going on these runs, especially, with that nasty slider, but I don't, I don't know what his deal is. Um, I, he's got a 98 mile an hour fastball as Andrew pointed out, but Vasquez calls tons of sliders for some reason. And if he wants to be more solid and more consistent than what he is, he's going to have to mix in more fastballs. He's going to have to mix his pitchers a little bit better because if they don't want to swing at a slider, most of the time they're not going to be strikes, and then the walks go up. Just ask Chris Sale. So, so I, I wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised that that Diekman didn't have a great outing. A little surprised that Schreiber and Strom um, couldn't gather it up. But that's there. You're going to run into that, unfortunately, and. It's just too bad it was in a game that we had in the bag and probably, as Job said, cost us the series. Well, I think the the last piece, Terry, that I want to add to this before we move on, and I don't want to drag on too long, is I think there are two right-handed reliever DFA candidates in this bullpen right now. Sally Murray is the other one. And let's not let him off the hook. I know he came in when the game was already out of hand. But that's all he's good for at this point, him and Barnes. And uh, that leaves Schreiber as your only somewhat reliable righty out of the pen. And uh, even then, you pointed it out, Terry, we don't know yet what he is post this Cinderella run that he's been on. His career numbers are not great. So I'm very concerned about this bullpen. And uh, I'm going to go ahead and say it. It's time to move Garrett Whitlock back to the pen. Past time. 
unfortunately, I, I think it's going to be uh, at least until Chris Sale comes back before we see that. Um, and Bloom has, uh, in previous interviews, expressed resistance and constantly changing his role. But I wouldn't hate it if it happens. I, I don't think anybody would. I've been saying that he needs to go back to the bullpen for weeks. I've been saying it for a while. That's your best arm in the bullpen. And uh, this is someone who dominated in the relief role. This is someone who had a fantastic ERA, fantastic numbers as a reliever, as a long reliever, and dominated. As a starter, it's been a completely different story and not completely his fault, uh, as evidenced by this this little uh, series with the Baltimore Orioles. We just weren't able to deliver for him, and it's unfortunate. He did a really great job pitching. And uh, we weren't able to get it done for him. It'll probably cl- be close to two months before he gets another dub. Salamora's numbers are deceptively better than what I thought. Um, 360 ERA at the moment. His war is just slightly positive. 0.1. Uh, he's given up four earned runs in the month of May. They were all uh, earned runs. He's given up zero uh, inherited runs. So I don't think he's necessarily in danger of getting, getting tossed, uh, just yet. Unfortunately, I think you'd, you'd actually be more likely to see a guy like Valdez, um, get tossed off, uh, before him. Just throwing that out there. I, you know, me, I'm a, I'm a Philip Valdez lover. I love (laughs) Philip Valdez. I like the guys with funky arm angles, despite the fact that he doesn't have any gas. So he's got a uh, change I, I, up when he can locate it, but yes, he does. He's just but 92, uh, 92 doesn't get it done in the big leagues these days. And we noticed that in was a game three or a game four of this set where the Red Sox absolutely teed off. I mean, five home runs um, on 92 to 93 mile an hour fastballs from Orioles starters. So it's not it's not reliable anymore. You you can't live off that the way that you once could. On 94 95 you make a little bit of a mistake. Sometimes you can live with it, but at 90 91 you make a mistake, big league hitters are going to put it over the wall. Absolutely. And uh we're seeing it now. Speaking of uh going over the wall, uh who's on your shit list this week, Job? Well, I'm going to go with uh, the aforementioned DFA candidate Matt Barnes for for my shit list. We talked a little bit about how uh, he's not been good. You gave the numbers earlier, Terry. But to come into this game already, the game's already over. You're down 7 nothing, top of the ninth. And uh, Anthony Santander, who is one of the few players on the Orioles who has power, absolutely crushed uh, Matt Barnes' curveball, I believe it was, right down Broadway, which has become the norm for him. He leaves the, the uh, sliders and curveballs up nowadays, and uh, you can't do that as a big league pitcher. So he's number one on my shit list, despite the fact that we were already out of the game. Well, I mean, I've I've said my piece on him. I, I don't think I don't think there's really a future for Matt Barnes uh, outside of just getting his ass handed to him on a nightly yeah, and, basis. And- Terry, I, I know that I had said that I, I wanted to go with, with Rich Hill for this. 
Like, I think Rich Hill losses this game. I understand it's a rubber match. It's tied 2-2. Two to two. Um, it's a it's a game you'd really like to win. You'd like Rich Hill to go out there and be the Rich Hill that he's been the last couple of outings. Uh, I don't have his numbers in front of me, but I believe it was three outings in a row. Charlie, do you have those numbers? Yeah, so looking at Rich Hill, Rich Hill has um, he, he's gotten cracked three, three times in a row after his Angels performance where he only allowed just that one hit. He allowed uh, three, earn, uh, three runs, two earned, and six innings against Texas. He actually got the win. Uh, that was his first quality start of the season. The next start he had was against Seattle. He gave up four in two innings, uh, did not get the win, and then he allowed three runs in five innings, only two earned against the White Sox, only one strikeout. I mean, we're not expecting strikeouts out of him, but we've slowly seen the ERA kind of climb a little bit, not too, too much, but uh, this one really, really hurt Rich Hill. Um, he hadn't done this this bad in a start. He'd given up three um, earned runs or more in three of his eight starts. He hadn't done this yet. We hadn't seen six earned runs. So this was a new one. I feel, and, and Terry, I want to hear your thoughts on this too, but I feel like this is the Rich Hill that we thought we were getting, and we've been pleasantly surprised the last couple of starts out with him. And um, so we knew this was coming at some point. It sucks that it happened in the rubber match of a five-game set. I really thought we were going to be trying out a new format here on this uh, Monday edition, or I guess Tuesday this week edition of the show. And I thought it would be great and a lot of fun. And instead, here we are talking about negatives, you know. And I I hate to do that on days where, you know, we we had some good moments, but team just couldn't get it done. Rich Hill's ERA is sitting at 485 right now, just a tick under five. When he got kind of tuned up that first time through the order, I knew right away if Cora was going to let him face the order the second time through, which would have been, uh, you know, from the third inning on, um, they were going to put up more runs. Like he, he just didn't have it. And, I feel like I'm kind of beating a dead horse, but sometimes the balls are juiced and sometimes they're not. I mean, we're seeing what should be routine pop-up fly balls just carry and carry and carry, and then they're in the monster seats. So, um, unfortunately, I think you're going to see this with with Michael Waka, who is a, a you know a pitch to contact guy. I hope I'm wrong about that, but I think he would have had a similar outing tonight had he been the starter. And as far as Hill goes, if he has a few more of these in a row, he's probably not on this team after the All-Star break. I I think he's the most vulnerable guy in the rotation. The Red Sox can probably trade him, unlike Matt Barnes, and get some type of a low-level prospect, you know, a, a pitcher-friendly uh, ballpark you know, a team that plays at a pitcher-friendly ballpark might be uh, interested in him. I don't know if that would be Seattle or perhaps the Giants or even the Padres, who are always looking for depth. But um, I, I don't think at this point his future is long-term with the Red Sox because Chris Sale is throwing. I think Paxton, if he's not throwing, he's expected to uh, any day now. You got a couple of guys in the minors. Winkowski uh, just came up. I'll I'll get to him in a little bit. 
Um, Bayo, is that how you pronounce it? Um, <laughs> Bayo, yeah. Bayo, yeah. Uh, well, he's just absolutely lighting it up. You know, looks like the next coming of I do I dare say Pedro Martinez. Don't say it. Don't do it. <laughs> I just that, did. Now he's gonna. I just gonna did. But he's just probably the most exciting pitching prospect we've had in a while. So, um, but Hills spot on this team increasingly vulnerable we didn't have tanner hauk available because they used him yesterday uh once pavetta came out of the game and it kind of burned us because the lineup went nuts and put up seven more runs so had we not used him yesterday he would have been uh, able to come in today and piggyback and uh, he was pretty solid uh, yesterday as well i think that's the fifth or sixth straight outing where uh, he did not give up a run. Actually, Terry, uh, I know that he was available today. We didn't go to him after Rich Hill, but Alex Cora did say in his post-game press conference yesterday, um, for the listening audience, that'll be two days from from listening date, that he was available to go, and that's why they pulled him after only 14 pitches. Well, my bad. I I, I don't think he would have necessarily went four innings then, but um... – but it's it's just too bad we we had to use him at all in game four. But obviously we didn't know we were going to go nuts in the last couple of innings. To I think we we were up I think five to three when Hout came in, and then next thing we knew it was twelve to two. But Charlie, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I, I wanted to talk about the Hill thing that you mentioned up earlier. I don't think there's going to be many teams, if any, that are going to be offering any money or any prospects anything. For somebody who's 42 years old, this guy is 42 years old. There are very few players that are 40 years old playing baseball right now. Rich Hill is one. Um, Nelson Cruz is the other name that comes to mind. And I believe Albert Pujols is the third, if I'm not mistaken. And I believe that's it. Don't know if there's anybody else. Exactly, right? Like, that's it. That's all we have. And no one's going to be paying for, like, a a day-to-day rental. You don't know when Rich Hill is going to just rip. Because that's like that's like a pair of jeans on their last wear. You know, you just don't know how much time you're going to have on that before the button rips off or you rip your inseam and it's just a bad day in the office. Um, Rich Hill absolutely is the first one out the door. This is $5 million. Um, we're going to be talking a little bit more about a scenario involving Hill later tonight um, or, or in, on the next show, rather. Um, I, I don't know anyone who's going to offer us any money because everyone knows what they're getting. They're getting exactly what Job had mentioned. We're, we're, we're seeing what we thought we were going to get from Rich Hill, just a stopgap filler until our starters come back. And well, I don't think he's moving, A, because no, I think both of you are right. I don't think there's anything that you can get for him. Nothing. Well, the I think you could get like a top 30 prospect or something, especially if, if we're eating all the money. Yeah, I think that would be optimistic. If that happens, then that's a win for Heim Bloom because Rich Hill at this point is not worth that. In fact, he's probably not worth a lottery ticket to a lot of teams. But Rich Hill to this team with this bullpen is worth a lot. Even if it is finishing the game in the bullpen, I don't think he's going anywhere. I don't think he's the first man out the door. I think he's the first man out the rotation. But I think he ends up in the bullpen in a cleanup role, the role that's currently being filled by Sawimura, Barnes, uh, insert Ryan Brazier. None of the guys who are getting outs are, are long-inning guys. 
in the bullpen. We don't really have a long inning guy in the bullpen besides Tanner Houck. And because of the limitations on Rich Hill, he's having to go basically once a week. So I really think Rich Hill might be a guy that you move to the bullpen and you try to get as many innings out of him in games that you're losing seven to nothing as you can. I mean, it's pretty crowded out there. So if they decide to to utilize him, you know, for one or two innings, I mean, I, I wouldn't hate that. But um, I think we do have other guys coming up, like you said, Bayo and and um, you know whatnot. So um, just uh, just because Charlie threw it out there, I had to Google it. Um, there there are a couple other. Uh, age 40 guys. Uh, one of them, Adam Wainwright, who's actually having a pretty good year. Um, 312 ERA. Uh, Yadier Molina is age 39 and 325 days. So by the end of the season, he will be 40. And some guy named Oliver Perez, who is a left-hand pitcher out of the Diamondbacks bullpen, age 40 Was it the, well. the Rangers for a long time? Okay. Uh, That's why I've never heard of him. Um, not and, a very good pitcher. And uh, Verlander's an honorable mention, though. He'll be 40 in February. Uh, Verlander's not a man. He's dude, a dude's just a freak. He might be an alien or something. I don't know. He's just absolutely unreal. The, my favorite player of all time, I, I wish, uh, outside of the Red Sox, I mean, if there's ever a guy I wish that wore a Red Sox uniform at one point, my first answer is always going to be Justin Verlander. Nobody, nobody has the swagger the cool factor than, than Verlander and he carries himself. Well, he's got vehicles that look like Batmobiles in his garage stuff. I've never seen before. He's there's no reason for him to be bouncing from hotel to hotel at four years old when his wife is Kate Upton and he's doing it. And he's, he's the best right now. He's, he might win the Cy Young. He's leading the Cy Young race at the moment with like a one eight nine ERA. Yeah, it's insane. And his punch outs, he's like I think top five as far as that goes. Oh man, I love Justin Verlander. Him and Dusty Baker are why I wouldn't be sad if the Astros do win it. Hopefully not at our expense this time. But, um, but yeah. Well, I mean, according to the three of us, the Red Sox were never going to make the playoffs, so. Um... It won't be at our expense. We're, we're being proven right every day. And it oh, sucks. I need us to make the playoffs. This podcast needs us to make the playoffs. I mean, we're getting, just so the audience knows if they're curious, uh, in a month we get 25,000 downloads and our audience size is, is about 7,000. 7,000 people over the course of a month listen to our show. So we appreciate that. I should also throw out there, I'm so bad, I keep meaning to do this. You can get Bastards of Boston t-shirts right now at bastardsofbostonbaseball.com. So I would advise you to, um, they they seem to run a little small and they're 100% cotton, so you may want to uh, buy one size up. Um, But yes, so anyway, um, my shit list, and I feel bad for doing this, but... um, never stopped me before uh, josh winkowski i mean uh, i get it on the day of a double header you're probably gonna have a call up and winkowski was the guy um that that was 
Only went three innings. Uh, his first two innings uh, were fine, and then he just kind of uh, fell apart uh, after that, gave up a couple of home runs, and I think his mother jinxed him. She had just had an interview and gave a good scouting report where he uh, is a little erratic early but typically gets swings and misses as the start goes on. Did not happen and um, so you're looking ahead to next year and you're trying to figure out what the rotation is going to be. You're going to have Sale. You're going to have Paxton. Uh, Whitlock and Hauk are going to be here, depending on what role. Um, and then, of course, Pavetta is under team control. So you have to figure Bayo is going to be up. But is Winkowski just a 4A guy that we really should not expect a ton out of. I think it's too early to tell right now. Um, I really don't want to, you know, poo poo him just yet because when he was in AAA, he had seven starts. He went one and one in his area was just hovering over three and he did have more strike. He did have a K nine that was above nine. So it was actually hovering close to 10. What I really, really liked from him was that he only gave up two home runs. So the home run thing wasn't an issue. It's just you're facing you're facing major league hitters. It's I, I don't want to, you know, call him like the Lou Merloni of the pitching. You know, Lou Merloni dominated AAA, didn't really do that well, unfortunately, uh, with the Red Sox. Um, had moments where he was great, but they'd send him down, call him up, send him down, call him down. He was like Mr. 4A for a while. Um, and he's a far better hitter than I ever was. And it's not even close. I'm not even going to try to compare the two. But um, Winkowski struggled uh, from the get-go, you know, even even with that interview. Like, it was, you know, you got two outs. You had a runner on first. You walk Mountcastle on four straight pitches. And then the very next batter after that, you walk him too. You're lucky that you got out of that first inning unscathed. And then the second inning happened where you got Odor to strike out. He strikes out anyways, you know. And then you had... Uh, I think it was a God, was it a ground out then a single or a single then a ground out? But either way, he got two of the first three out and then he ends it with a strikeout to a guy who's actually really good. And then the third inning happened and the wheels just completely fell off. You know, it just, it, it just did not feel good when you, when you have runners on, you know, first, you know, you, you get a leadoff single and then it's first and second with no outs, you kind of expect you're going to give up a run, maybe two, because it's a rookie. So I think it's still too early to tell right now, and I still want to give him another chance if the Red Sox are willing, because uh, it's it, you just got to give him a chance. We've been giving chances to all these other players, and some of them have worked out, some of them haven't. I don't need to go down memory lane with the picks that I'm upset that we didn't really give a real chance to, but I, I still think it's worth giving him another look just in case if he gets blown up in a second performance, then maybe we can visit that, Terry. If anyone who listens to the show couldn't figure that out, Charlie's talking about uh, a certain second baseman who plays for the Pittsburgh Pirates right there. He mentions them every other episode. Um, it's too early on Winkowski. In fact, I, I really like Winkowski. I think he's got great stuff. The reason I like him is mostly because he's going to be the first Red Sox pitcher called up who's younger than me to start. So that, that makes me feel a little old. I'm sure it makes Charlie feel a lot old, you know. So I'm uh, I'm partial to Winkowski. That being said, I think he translates more as a bullpen guy to the big leagues. I know Red Sox fans hate hearing that because every starting pitcher that comes up through our system that's highly touted 
that we like to talk about as the next great pitching prospect either doesn't work out with Boston, doesn't work out, period, or they end up in the bullpen because we can't develop starting pitching that's quality in our system. Bayo is going to be the guy. But Winkowski could still be a solid piece this season. They don't want to rush Bayo's development. He's too damn good and at this point too damn valuable. I think Winkowski might end up being trade bait, uh, unfortunately, either this July or um, perhaps this uh, winter. He did get rocked in his uh, most recent uh, minor league start in Worcester. Um, on May 22nd, he pitched six innings, got tagged for five earned runs, and uh, struck out six. But, um, you know, he, he didn't really end on a high note before his call-up. He was pretty solid before that, had two straight scoreless outings, albeit one of them was two innings. So had uh, hadn't actually given up more than two earned runs in any of his uh, minor league starts uh, this season. So didn't, didn't go well here. Uh, I also want to get into some Alex Cora stuff real quick. I get we were playing a doubleheader, but story got rested in game one. Okay, fine. You still had most of your big guns in there. And Trevor story, by the way, not a great series, just two for 13, Drew three walks though, but still uh, considering all the momentum he had coming into it, not a great one. But then in game two, Cora decides he's going to rest Bogarts and Martinez. And where I also have a huge problem with that is why not just make Xander your DH? Is he too tired to DH? I mean, you're, you're putting in an unproven rookie making his major league debut and then you're giving him your B lineup, maybe even your C lineup. So you completely waste the DH spot on Franchi Cordero. You, I, I, why is Martinez being, why can't he DH every day? I, I just, that just kills me right there. Why, why do you get tired playing DH? I, I don't get it. He wants to come back next year on a multi-year deal, but he's too tired to DH. I mean, and then fine. I, I'll, if, if he's too tired, fine. Xander could have DH'd for the game and essentially had a half a game off because he, he wouldn't have to go out in the field. Uh, so I just, I hate that Alex Cora mailed that one in, especially with a, with a rookie pitcher making his minor league, uh, major league debut, who probably was going to need run support. Just absolutely terrible. And we hadn't seen a lot of guys getting rested. Those scheduled day offs weren't really a thing over the last few weeks when we magically started winning again because we were, what, nine under, I think, was the furthest we were. Uh, nine under 500, I mean. So just absolutely dumb. And then we only put up two runs that game Uh Arroyo, I thought, hit a home run. I didn't write in the home runs. But... Arroyo went 0 for 4 in that game. He hit a home run in the next game. In that game, Hernandez went 2 for 5. You're right. Devers went 0 for 4. So Arroyo had, a, I think, a sack fly in that game. I have him uh, down as uh, driving in a run. 
and then Vasquez had an amazing series. Um, drove in uh, a run. He was three for four in that game. Basically, your whole offense was Vasquez and and Kike uh, out of the leadoff spot, who was two for five. Um, Kike, by the way, uh, had an eleven game hitting streak coming into this final game, and then got it snapped. So did Martinez. He had, what, a 21-game a hitting streak, something like that, and that got snapped a week or two ago, and then he had since gone on another 10- or 11-game streak, and uh, he got his snap today as well. That's so, what happens when you rest a guy. You rest a guy, and all of a sudden, his timing is off. Yeah. I, J.D. I, Martinez, hold, hold on, though, for, for one second, because we saw Kike start to do some work, and he's had you know a, a decent last week to 10 days where you know the batting average is is starting to make its way up at the beginning of the month he was hitting 195 it got down to 168 he's brought that back up to two what after today he went it's i think it's like 200 201 202 something like that 205 Um, g 205 okay thank you so so jd martinez before today's action his batting average for the month was 434 if i'm not mistaken with that's like a four eighty something OPS. That's OBP, insane. That is absolutely mental. Like you, you're hitting, you're, you're blowing everything out of the water, and it's not even close. He's had, I think, what, like in the last ten games, seven multi-hit games. I you know what the craziest up, part actually. is, Charlie? What's up? He's getting hot, and it's not just power. I mean, he's only got five home runs. He's hitting the ball all over the ballpark. Doubles, singles. I think he's second on the team in doubles to Rafi Devers, who leads the big leagues in doubles. So Yeah, I think that's correct. He's had 17 doubles this year. It's absolutely yeah. insane. So, I mean, J.D. Martinez is not fleet of foot. These are not hustle doubles, right? These are balls in the gap and uh, just legging it out. He's been lights out, and uh, he's a free agent this year. In case uh, Red Sox fans were wondering... They forgot all about J.D. Martinez when all we talk about is Xander and Rafi. J.D. Martinez, another guy, middle of the lineup bat, currently hitting, what, 380, who's uh, going to be playing Mental. for somebody else next year. We've actually spent some time on that last week, I think, and um, it's going to be interesting to see how Bloom values him, uh, you know, if at all. We spent a, a good segment on that, but... One more thing on my shit list. It's not even baseball related, but I tweeted it out earlier. Got a ton of reaction. Those Lemu Emu commercials, by far the worst of all the car insurance commercials. And the car insurance commercials typically are the more funnier ones, like the Dr. Rick commercials, where he's like teaching people to not be like their parents. I think those are hilarious. <laughs> and uh, Flo has had a pretty good run. And um, Geico has had some good ones over the years. But, oh, man, I just can't stand those Limo Emu commercials. I think they're from Liberty Mutual. So just for that, I'm never going to get a quote from them because I hate their commercials. All right, let's can't, get – Can't agree more. In fact, the best part about having MLB TV is I don't have to watch commercials. Yeah. I For some reason, I, I get some on mine. But uh, I, it probably depends on the market that you're in, though. Uh, all right, uh, let's just get done uh, with our Red Sox tie raids and uh, get on to another series here, which 
will hopefully be a good one. It's only a two-game set because it's against the National League team. I'm super curious to see what next year's schedule will be like because you're going to be playing all of those teams. Uh, so uh, game one uh, on Tuesday, so that's tonight for most of the listening audience. Uh, both games are 7-10 starts, which is nice. I feel like we haven't had a ton of afternoon games during the week lately, so uh, love that. But Luis Castillo versus Michael Waka. Job, since you're the president of the fan club, go ahead. How do you see that game going? Well, this is a tough one. I know people see the Reds and they think, okay, we should win both of these. Castillo is the only pitcher on the Reds that actually frightens me, and he should frighten a lot of people. I know this year he's not having a great year. He's got a 4.35 ERA, a whip slightly over 1-1, one, one, um, and only 18 strikeouts in 20 and two-thirds. But as a career, you know, 3-7 guy, he's the ace of this staff. And uh, they seem to score for him quite a lot, even when they don't win. He makes me nervous. Michael Walker's still going to get it done because the entire Reds organization is uh, 4A, right? They're, they're quad A hitters, uh, with the exception of a couple of guys. And uh, this is going to be a close game. Probably going to score a couple of runs. And Red Sox are going to squeak it out. Charlie. So this one I actually don't have the Red Sox winning because I think the Red Sox are going to have to pitch or they're going to have to hit for Garrett Whitlock. Uh, Castillo's look like Bambi on ice for oh, that's two That's Waka in the first game. I know. That's what, oh. yeah, what I'm saying is for this, for the first game of the two, okay. I think that it's, it's going to go to Castillo, even though Castillo has um, not really looked himself. Uh, he's been struggling for a couple of years. The difference is the run numbers have come down. He allowed three runs in each of his first couple performances down to two. He's, he's going longer. He's throwing more pitches. Um, the walk numbers are not there. No home runs the last two games. And I think that's going to be the edge that he has over, over Waka. I still, I still don't know because Waka didn't have a really good performance last week, um, against Chicago. It, 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 it didn't make me feel very warm and fuzzy, um, in relation to how we pitched in the month of April did fantastic may not so much. So I'm now wondering is this an issue of, of, of work, uh, of worrying like workload? I hope to God it's not, but I'm still edging to Castillo he is, he because is overall. An injured, lynch, an he injured is. list stint when he's pitching against Chicago. So you have to kind of factor that in, Charlie. Right. His first start That's back fair. Is a little rust. That's fair. But you know what? At the end of the day, I still think Luis Castillo is a better pitcher. And I'm going to give it to him. He's, pitching, he's trying to pitch his way out of Cincinnati. Seems yep, that's, that's just me. So I'm, I'm saying uh, Reds take game one. It just depends on what Michael Waka we get. Um, if he's sharp and the balls aren't going over the fence, I think the Red Sox stand a pretty good chance to, to win this game because Castillo hasn't been going deep into his games. Uh, he's only gone beyond five innings once. That was two starts ago against the Toronto Blue Jays uh, and looks like he took the loss. So that wasn't uh, obviously a win. Um, so five innings or less in all of his other outings. And the Reds have, I believe, I was just trying to pull up the exact figures, but 
Um, one of the worst bullpens in MLB, unlike the Orioles, who had the second best, believe it or not. Uh, so I, I think the Red Sox could probably string some hits together late and uh, take this one. So I'm going to I will pick the Red Sox uh, for game one. Uh, game two is uh, Garrett Whitlock versus Hunter Green one of the top prospects in, in all of MLB and um, a young pitcher that uh, typically we don't look good against, but Job, go ahead. Well, I think this one is the one you want to catch of the two games. If you're only going to get a chance to watch one of them, this is the game to watch. I think Hunter Green is appointment viewing at this point, even though he's not been good. Um, he's got like a five, eight, six, 589, I'm sorry, ERA at this point over nine games. He's two and six, which bodes well for the Red Sox over 44 innings. But he does have 56 strikeouts, and he throws the ball 100 miles an hour on every pitch for his entire outing. So if you like just physical insanity, you're going to want to watch this one. He doesn't know where the hell it's going. So that'll be interesting. I think it'll be a good test for this Red Sox lineup because, Terry, you're absolutely right. We talk about it a lot. The Red Sox struggle against young pitchers and guys who shouldn't give us trouble. Guys who normally, you know, like an Andrew Heaney type, they always seem to give us trouble. I want to see them take a lot of pitches against this kid, not necessarily because they want to knock him out, but because he doesn't know where the ball's going, and he's liable to walk a lot of guys. He's got a 1-5-1 whip. And he tends to think that his gas is going to get him out of trouble and throw it right down the middle at 100. And if he tries to sneak one by J.D. Martinez, Rafi Devers, Xander Bogarts, it's going to be a lot of fun for Red Sox fans. So I'm taking the Red Sox in game two. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking the Red Sox in game two. As I was talking about earlier, I think Garrett Whitlock is going to do well. I think the Red Sox owe him a huge, a huge performance um, offensively. Hunter Green, it's like Oprah with you getting a car, you get a home run, and you get a home run, and you get a home run. He's given up 15 bombs this year, and they're not cheap. It doesn't help that you're throwing 103, 104 miles an hour. You're just helping that ball fly out faster. So And it's um, straight, Charlie. He it, doesn't throw it with any movement at all. No, no, like none. And like 104 is cute. 104 is adorable. But when you throw 104 and, like you just mentioned, no movement – you're just waiting fastball every time. You can make that quick adjustment. You're swinging a hair earlier, but that thing's going over the fence. Got rocked against Milwaukee, gave up five home runs. Got rocked against Chicago. That was the game where they went 20-5. to five. Um, But he still got rocked. Five runs in five innings, three bombs allowed. Those two games, you've pitched under eight innings. You've given up 13 runs and eight home runs. You've given up a home run an inning. It's just it's it's remarkable, and he's he's shown moments moments where he can do decent, okay. And when his first start came out, when he faced Atlanta, he got a win. He struck out seven. He gave up two home runs, three earned runs in five innings. And we thought, okay, well maybe this is the guy. Like this is this is what we're waiting for. And then the numbers started to go the wrong direction. Three earned runs, four earned runs. Milwaukee eight earned runs. He had a redemption the following one, but it, it, it's going to be it's going to be the Garrett Whitlock show. I think you're going to see Garrett go five plus, maybe six again. 
Hunter Henry's probably or Hunter Green, excuse me. Hunter Green is going to probably get booted by the fourth inning, and I think he's probably going to give up two or three home runs. I uh, I would like to to point out before we we wrap here, Terry, on your opinion. This is going to be the Kike Hernandez game because he absolutely crushes the fastball, and he's going to get a first pitch heater right over the middle at 100 miles an hour and take it deep to left. I just want to put that out there into the universe before tonight's game. Hopefully the Red Sox, their their pitch recognition skills will be uh, on point because that, that could drive up the home runs. I, I do want to say, though, that, uh, you know, Green is coming off of a, a bad last outing. That was against the Chicago Cubs. Uh, five earned in that uh, game with three home runs. So they definitely lit him up. But before that, he had three really good starts in a row. One of them uh, on May 21st, that was against the Toronto Blue Jays, held them to four hits, one earned run, punched out six. The start before that, May 15th, that was the infamous game against Pittsburgh where the Reds no hit them, but lost the game. So they, they, (laughs) they found a way to, to be amazing and suck at the same time. Um, the, the one run that Pittsburgh scored unearned. And then he he had an outing against the, the Brewers. That was uh, pretty good. Five and one third, uh, only gave up two earned runs uh, in that one. And that was immediately after being shelled by the uh, Brewers as Charlie was getting to. So he um, he did bounce back five days later and, and pitched very well against them. So it's tough. I mean, I, I'm, I'm going to pick the Reds in that one, unfortunately. I just think they'll they'll figure it out. The Red Sox are just bewildered every time a young pitcher comes in that they've never seen before. And I want to be wrong. But uh, and we don't know what Whitlock we're getting either, by the way. Uh, you know, he is coming off of a good start, but he's been very hot and cold. So we'll see. Um, we also have Tommy Pham in that series, who's a punk that I'm no longer interested in. I was kind of warming up to, you know, just go ahead and get yourself a serviceable guy. But, and Pham would be one of them because obviously the Reds are going to be sellers. But he... Uh, I think he slapped Jock Peterson in the face over a fantasy football beef from last year. And uh, and then Peterson, in full disclosure, showed the media the exact text messages and everything, including the gif that that fam was so upset about. And it, it was nothing. Tommy Pham got destroyed by full transparency. Charlie, go ahead. You're dying. Unbelievable. <laughs> I was talking about this with a close friend of mine, and we were talking about like when Jock Peterson was was talking about this. We thought, I, 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 without words, I thought it was satire. I thought it was complete BS. Like I thought this was a joke. Unbelievable. And you actually can find the video online of Tom Pham slapping Jock Peterson on the cheek, like across the face, over a uh, a, a a dispute over. You know the rules of what they were doing for fantasy football. The rules regarding of the a player. Very interesting. Regarding a player that Tom Pham in the other fantasy league already had on IR, Jeff Wilson, who's a nobody in in fantasy football. He's a nobody right now. Like you look up Jeff Wilson's numbers, 
and I'm I'm pretty sure you're gonna find like literally nothing because he was he just he's he's not been good like he's just I don't have words for it like when I when I heard that it was over fantasy football I was like nah this is all BS then I saw the video and I was like this is unreal Tom Brady's his career he, he's he, an he, Will, idiot Will Smith did um, he just walked up batting practice I hate that reference. I hate for, that so much. For no reason. Um, Charlie, I could picture you doing that to Terry or I for fantasy baseball purposes. I just, I, I picture that some year down the future. Um, this is a family-friend league. There's no through. violence here. But um, there's there's no reason for that. And uh, he's suspended three games, Terry. So I'm interested to see if we see you in this series. Another reason why I didn't like him was I think it was the 2019 season, uh, his interview in the wildcard game uh, where they beat the Oakland A's to move on to the ALDS. He, he was interviewed by a, a Fox sports uh, reporter and she, she asked him if, if he had anybody he wanted to thank, you know, for helping him get to, you know, that point in his career, you know, and you know, that type of a, a playoff run and he said, well, I, I'd like to thank myself for, for never giving up. <laughs> that was like, I'm like, dude, you just blew it. You know, that was like the least humble thing you could say. You know, at least thank somebody else if you're going to thank yourself. And I'm just completely out. He also got himself knifed at a, at a strip club as well. So just a dude that seems to find drama in, in all the wrong places. So anyway, we will wrap on that uh, Tommy Fam note. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow for a, another episode of Totally Legit or Calling the Cops. And uh, everybody have a good Tuesday. Take care.